Wow, well, it's so good to see all of you. Yeah, we're glad you're here. You really, really are. I feel like uh, there aren't enough. There aren't enough churches in the region. And something happens when uh, when new churches spring up. Something really happens. Uh, my friend uh, Larry Kreider. Did any of you ever hear of Dub Fellowship? Based out of based, based out of Lancaster County. Larry Kreider's a friend of ours, and he's one of my advisors. He's like one of my pastors, because I need somebody to, you know, talk to too. And uh, he's done all kinds of studies, and he said that when when new churches start, new churches keep starting in a region, more and more people come to Jesus. Like our church is celebrating next year 50 years. Wow, that's good. And they start long before I'm going to be done. They start a long time before I'm going to be done. But what can happen over time is you can... You know, you can kind of lose sight of why you're here. And, you know, we're here to really see lost sons and daughters come home. And, and uh, my wife and I were part of pioneering a church. We met in Lebanon in a in a ballroom at a uh, at a hotel, and we had a van that we hauled the uh, you know cribs in and sound systems in, and you know we helped lead worship, so we brought the stuff in. I remember those days; they were exciting days. You know, but we. We, they're, they're, pioneers are a special breed. Y'all are a special breed. Because pioneers, you know, are willing to say, well, okay, we don't have this and we don't have that. We don't have all the kind of things that maybe church has been around for 50 years has. But there's something going on in our hearts that's too valuable to, you know, to uh, overlook. And, you know, we could go to a comfortable place, but no, we want to we be be part of something that's groundbreaking that breaks into the culture. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled. And, uh, you know, some of my friends have said to me, hey, man, you have, you got three churches meeting on your property. I said, bring more. I said, if we can really help churches when they're getting started to not have all that overhead and not have all the anxiety that can go along with it, you know, let's, let's do that. So, um, you know, we really want to. Well, my wife and I have been married 37 years. Yeah. I met, yay. Hey, I met her at Messiah College. We were buddies for a long time. And then one day I just woke up and it was like, you're not just a friend. This was, this was something, uh, you know, something different. And I grew up in a little Methodist church that was, uh, you know, wonderful church. I got saved there and learned a lot about Jesus and learned a lot of hymns. Uh, but I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. I only heard about him every week at the close, like the credits at the end of the service, you know. And now, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they said Holy Ghost, like it was, you know. And I don't, I didn't know what to, I didn't know how to relate to a ghost, you know. And, and I didn't, I, I didn't, I could relate to Jesus because every picture I saw of him, he was either holding children or looking kind. So I could relate to Jesus. The Father, we had no pictures of the Father, and I didn't know. My dad, my dad was a recovering alcoholic, and so he was there but not there. And so the whole thing of father and dad was kind of a strange thing. I didn't quite know. But I relate to Jesus, you know. Because we sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. We didn't sing a lot of father songs. You know? What a friend we have in the father. You know, it's just, you know? but, but uh, I, I've come to really discover that our father is like amazing. And he like loves us crazily. And he rejoices over us and celebrates over us. And one of my friends... Their three-year-old son the other day was sitting in his room making up songs because he likes to sing. And he, and he, was singing, he, he said he heard this phrase over and over again. 
and he was listening in, and his son, his three-year-old son Cyrus was singing, I'm a sweet little boy, and God thinks I'm awesome. And he just kept singing, I'm a sweet little boy, and God thinks I'm awesome. I'm thinking, Yay. I mean, he's getting that in his spirit at such an early, early uh, age. So um, what I wanted to, to just encourage you with today uh, is to keep doing what you're doing is um, Jesus was asked in Luke 15, and I think this would time, I won't read through it all, the prodigal son story, okay? Well, in, in uh, there, were, there were three stories Jesus told in response to one question, and the religious leaders asked one question, why do you welcome and eat with sinners? And Jesus said, oh, I'll give you three stories. And he gave him three stories. And the first was the story of the lost sheep. Remember the shepherd had 100 sheep. One was lost. He went and got the 100. So one out of 100 mattered. And then a widow had 10 coins and she lost one. And she tore her house upside down to get the one coin. One out of 10. And then a man had two sons. And one was lost. And he went and he got it. And Jesus was telling them, here's why. I, the word welcome, sinners, wasn't like Jesus just had, just had some kind of intro dinner to introduce them to the concepts of Christianity. Welcoming meant to, to treat like a friend, to, to really treat like they belong. And there's something powerful about people feeling like they belong before they know him. That is huge. And I think the Holy Spirit's working that into the church so that people don't feel like they're at arm's length while we check them out doctrinally before we decide if we're going to love them. Right. <clears throat> you know? Or we have the fear of world cooties. <laughs> and that if we get too close to people that, oh, we're going to compromise. And the thing that's neat about... Our convictions don't have to go down as our compassion goes up. That's what that's what that's what grieved me in this whole the recent Supreme Court decision with some of the responses and reactions and interpretations. Yeah. You know? And so um, some of the things that believers blogged, I was just grieved by because it, it didn't reflect while it might have reflected the convictions of the Bible, it didn't reflect the compassion of the heart of God. And there's a way for both. The thing is, Jesus not only called the sinners friends, they called him friend. It's, it's different when somebody else knows, you're a friend, you're, you're the person I can go to and I can trust with my life. And so they said, why, why do you welcome sinners? And then eating with people wasn't like, let's do lunch. When you ate with someone, an invitation to dinner from a leader or a rabbi was huge. It's like, I, I want to bring you into an honored place. So, so Jesus was saying to the religious leaders, actually the word sinner that they used meant despised totally, and they'll never change. And so sometimes I read some of these things that are blogged and written by, by Christians that seem to echo that same kind of spirit, that people can never change. But they can change, and they do change, and we change, and lots of people are changing, and we're still changing. We're still in process, and still in progress. My uh, my son-in-law has a real love for Harrisburg, 
And he has this way of just just going right in, and within weeks, people know him. He's been going through Harrisburg for a number of years on Saturday afternoon and Sundays. Tonight, he's going to serve a meal to a bunch of people, and he, he found a place, and then other people, they work together. And it's one of the best meals people get all week. And they don't just give them leftover carved stuff that we have that's about to expire. I mean, it's re- they, really, they really feed and bless them, and they, they love on them. And... Uh, my son-in-law was telling me he plays basketball, and he was playing basketball with a bunch of guys, and they were using language that you don't hear in Sunday school, and you know it was kind of rough and tumble. And while he's playing, this one guy really stood out to him, and so he um, he went to the guy when they were taking a break, and and he walked up to him and he said, uh, he said, you know what, man, I I just uh, while we're here um, playing together. I, I was getting these, these things kept coming to my brain. And he said, what? He said, well, that, that like, you're going you're gonna to really take care of people and help people. You know, you're going to be a pastor like you are to your brother and sister. And he goes, how did you know about my brother and sister? He says, well, I don't know. This picture's playing in my brain. It's real. I'm still trying to get a hold of it. It's kind of freaks me out sometimes. But do you have a brother and sister? He says, yeah, I do. And my parents are crack addicts. And if I didn't take care of my brother and sister, they wouldn't get to school on time. They wouldn't get fed. And, and he said, well, you're going to do what you do for your brother and sister, you're going to do for other people. And he goes, cool. And he says, that one problem, I don't know Jesus yet. <laughs> he said, well, that's okay, we can take care of that. And what my, what my son-in-law did is he didn't check out the guy's credentials first. He just spoke into his life. And see, there's a word that we use in the church, and the word is accountability. And it usually is a scary, at least for me, it was a scary word. You know, when I had an older brother in the Lord say, I want to have you in our accountability group, I thought, oh, great. You're going to ask me every week, did you lust? Did you drink alcohol? And did you watch something bad on TV? And did you swear or something? You know, and I thought it's just, you know, just. But actually, the word accountability means to keep an account of your God-given ability. So accountability isn't to make sure we don't smoke, it's to make sure we're still on fire. (laughs) See, it's like to inspire people. It's like to challenge people. It's like, in fact, the New Testament letters are written that way. It's like Paul is writing to these churches that were messing stuff up, and he was saying, hey guys, you're doing this, but guess what? This is who you are. Be who you are. You're, you're living beneath who you really are. You know, now think of tr- applying the good news, the gospel that we're called to preach. Think of applying it that way. So, just real quickly, Jesus tells these three stories. And I just want to focus real quickly. The sheep story. All three of those stories were commonly taught by the rabbis, but they were told with a different punchline. The one, the, the sheep story was told, you have a hundred sheep, you lost one. Hey, 99 out of a hundred ain't bad. So you know, let the, let the one go. You got, you got. You don't risk losing the 99 to go get one. Jesus takes the story, and he says, well, um, I went after that sheep. I'll, I'll go after, I'll go after one. And, when I find the sheep, the story's really cool. It says he carried the sheep back between his shoulders. 
such a picture of the cross. I carry you between my shoulders. You know, I carry you in my heart. He carries people in his heart. Lost means you're missed. Lost means you're valued. Lost doesn't mean you're not in the club. Lost means you were you were so valued and you you missed. You know, my two my two sons and their families moved to California, and we were together at a, a, at our annual get together the other day without them there and their and their wives and their children, and they were missed. And I it's and that's I was sitting there just you know having this moment. My wife could tell. She said, "Come on, you're going to ruin the whole." picnic if you, you know I was sitting there dismissing them but for a moment I had this like God moment like that's how I feel about every person and if one is missing I value them I love them you know and, and he carried that, that sheep back and, and what he was saying to all the other sheep is is if, if this happened to you I'd go after you too you know and that's the heart of Jesus for people now the prodigal son story is you know I don't go through every detail of it but there are a couple things I want to just I want to just uh, highlight uh, one is, according to Leviticus, the son, a, a younger son uh, had a right to one-third of the inheritance. And it didn't say when he could claim it. But for the younger son to say, I want it now, put the whole family in turmoil. Because that money might not have been liquid. And dad might have had to sell things quicker and take less for it. And, and it upset the whole system. But the father in the story gives it that's the love of the Father. And there's some things that may seem unjust, but we have to understand it, life from the Father's perspective. And sometimes our justice thing can get in the way of the love. You know? Because frankly, if all of us got justice, we, weren't, wouldn't, we would not be here. We wouldn't even be talking. So, the Father's love is such the, an amazing part of that story. And, and so the Son goes off, and, and he spoils, and, and he just wastes his money. He just wastes his money. And one of the words that's used is he's trying to buy friends. That's what the phrase means. He's trying to buy friends. He's, he's, he's so lost and insecure and lonely, he's trying to, he's trying to buy friends to, to fill that void inside. And then when he wakes up and he thinks about going back, he's hesitant to go back home because he knows a couple things. He's going to meet the shame of his older brother because you probably messed up the inheritance. Probably messed up the finances, and I'm I, the older brother. I'm going to get less money than I thought I would. And he was about to face something even deadlier. There was there was a law that the people at the time Jesus told the story would have known. There was a law practiced by the elders of a town. It's called the. Uh, if you don't want to look it up, you can Google it. Isn't Google amazing? Google is so smart. Google. <laughs> it's a kazaza ceremony. K e z a z a h. K-E-Z-A-Z-A-H. And the Kazaza ceremony was in the time of Jesus. If a son lost his inheritance among the Gentiles, when he tried to come back in the town, they would meet that son. They would take a pot and smash it at his feet and say, you have destroyed your opportunities in this town. From here on, you're going to live like a beggar. From here on, you would be banished from uh, being part of the fellowship in the town. You're going to have to sit outside of the town. Which, by the way, blind Bartimaeus, remember blind Bartimaeus in the Gospels? Bartimaeus means son of filth. That's what they called 
the, the sons at, at the end of the Kazaza ceremony. Uh, you're a son of filth. You have only the right to sit outside. You'll never feel fully included. The father running was to outrun. He outran the elders of the town. He outran them so that before they got to him with the pot to banish him from the town, no, I'm putting the robe on you, I'm putting the sandals on your feet, I'm putting the ring back on your hand, because before they shame you, and before the older brother shames you, I want you to know that, that, that you belong to me. And I believe that we're part of the Lord raising up a father-hearted church who's going to outrun the shamers. And the shame that's been done in Jesus' name must come to an end. That doesn't mean we're lowering our standards, but it means we're letting love and mercy triumph over judgment. And there's a whole, there's a whole generation of orphan sons and daughters just waiting to come home. And, and Jesus told the story because he said, when they come home, I don't want them meeting a whole lineup of older brothers, shaming them. And, but I, uh, by, to meet father-hearted moms and dads. And so that's what we're part of. Now, I believe we're, I believe we're in, a, in, a, in an hour that people are really ready to, like, know him. And Jesus said, the fields are ripe unto harvest, which means they're open. Speaks of an openness. And he said that the Holy Spirit's at work in the world, not just in the church. He's at work in the world to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and the fact that the enemy, not us, the enemy has been judged. He's, he's at work doing all of that. This is huge. This, I mean, we have like this amazing unfair advantage. Like, like really amazing unfair advantage. And people's eyes are being opened. A friend of mine who's a missionary in Asia... He just gave me this document, and I, I just read it this morning, so it's fresh in my mind. But they have found writings of Buddha. Buddha lived 543 years before Jesus was born. And Buddha said, when I'm gone, don't worship me. When I'm gone, don't follow me. When I'm gone, one is coming who will be the Savior. And when I'm gone, he's one who will have been before me and after me. And you recognize him by the scars in his hands and feet, the piercing of a sword in his side, and, and uh, uh, scars around his head. And he will be the wounded healer that will restore. I'm not the one. He's the one. And when he comes, his firefly spirit will descend upon you and fill you with life and love. <laughs> so prophesy Buddha. I mean, it's, it's, isn't that wild? So, I mean, I, I, and my friends are using this as a document in Asian uh, territory to just say to Buddhists, are you hungry for truth? Okay, this is a writing of Buddha. Here's what he said. And it's being wow. used by the Lord to open people's hearts to him. But whether it's Buddhist or Muslim, right now we have a preschool here called the Joy Center. Half of our students are from Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhist families. And uh, we, they know when they're coming in that we, we, uh, we're not here to indoctrinate your children, but we are Christians, and we will love your children, and we'll pray for them. And so I was at the, at the class graduation for the kindergartners last year, or this a couple months ago, and the valedictorian from a Hindu home stood up and, by memory, recited the Beatitudes. 
<laughs> and I talked with her family afterward, and they said, you know, we're, we're Hindu, we're nominal, it's been in our family tradition, but there's something life-giving here. These words like that, there's something alive. Um, my wife goes to the gym, and she talked me into a few months ago going with her to a water aerobics class. I had a, a knee injury and, and had an operation, and so I went to this water, and here I am in this pool full of older women with uh, plastic <laughs> and Davies, daisies on the side going like this, and I'm going... Man, this is so cute. The things you do. I said for better or for worse. I had no clue it would be doing something like this. You know? so, like you're in water doing exercises, and I'm looking around going, they're not even exercising. They're under the water, you know. <laughs> so I'm going to this. I do this class, and afterward, the, uh, the instructor comes to me, and his name's John, and he shakes my hand, and he, and he said, uh, I like you. I said, well, that's great. I said, this was fun. Or, I didn't say fun. I said, this was uh, interesting. Interesting is a word. It's not committal. You can just use it all. And I said, this was interesting today. I've never done anything this in my life. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, I'm never going to do it again. I did not So, but he said, uh, and he got talking on and on. And he said, uh, well, uh, I'm an agnostic. What are you? He said, right now, I'm an agnostic. What are you? And I said, well, I'm, uh, I, I'm a pastor. He said, like a Christian pastor? I said, well, yeah. He said, um, wow. And then right out, he just said, you know what? There, there are two kinds of Christians. I said, wow. Okay, what are they? He said, well, um, there are those that go to visit the man's house. And there are those who know the man. <laughs> what? That's, that's a, isn't that a good word? Yes, I like that. I said, so what do you think I am? I, you know, you're curious at that point. Which category you're going to, are you a sheep or a goat? You know, he said, he said, no, I can tell you know the man. I said, why? He said, because you loved me right from the start. He said, I felt that you loved me right from the start. And uh, what I'm saying is the fields are right. The Lord of the harvest said it, and he's Lord of the harvest, so like he knows. Right? He knows more stuff than you He's smarter than Google. <laughs> King of kings, lord of lords, and more googly than Google. He's just he's, he's amazing. And so, so I just wanted to encourage you to, to be open to all kinds of opportunities because there are people around you that are just ready to receive what you have. And we can welcome them and make them feel like they belong even before they know him. You know, I think it's, it's crucial. So I wanna, I'd love to bless you guys and uh, pray for you. And uh, um, see what adventures you go into. See what doors open up. See, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. It's gonna be woolly. But it's gonna be fun. And uh, you get to be who you are. I am enjoying being who I am more than ever before. I'm really enjoying being who God created me to be. And I want everybody to feel that way. I spent so many years trying to be somebody else. You know, and they're already taken. <laughs> so, so uh, I just want to bless you. So, hey, grab somebody's hand near you. Let's make this a group group deal. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Well, thanks for family, Papa. I thank you for this family, face to face family. I thank you for every story in this room. We're all history. We're all his story of his faithfulness and his mercy and his patience. 
and we haven't arrived, and you don't demand that we be perfect. You love that we can lean on you and learn from you, grow. I bless them. I bless them in their walk with you. Be real to them. Let them experience you as a father who celebrates them. Let them experience you like three-year-old Cyrus, who just said, I'm, I'm, God thinks I'm awesome. God thinks I'm awesome. I pray that, that that revelation would hit us again and again and again and again. And wow, for, uh, for lost sons and daughters, let your heart come through. Let the Johns of the world say, I, I want to meet some people who know the man. They don't just visit his house. So fill us again today with your presence and with your amazing love your amazing grace. Let people have a face-to-face encounter with you when we have a face-to-face encounter with them. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yay. Well, good being neighbors with you. We're glad you're here. We pray. We have teams that just pray for you guys all the time, that you just prosper and do well. So, bless you, Lord. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Thanks.